Hello, my name is David Paletta, and I'm the senior leader in Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message.
We talked, we started talking about, uh, we don't see eye to eye with God. And, uh, uh, you know, shared a little bit about uh, what happens when we uh, think about the struggles that we face in life. There are some struggles that, that really take us for a ride, right? And, and we don't know how to respond. And we, we sometimes think that God is wanting us to, to, to find a way of escape, running, not facing the issues. But God's purposes and design for us, for each and every one of us, is that we go through. Psalm 23 says, even though I walk, what? Through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And so if we understand, stop, and realize that God's purposes for us are to take, are to take us through the valley and not escape the valley, to go through the situations and the issues that we go through and not run away from them. God's goal and design for us is to turn us to be more like Him. He wants us to be more like Jesus. So um, I was thinking that when it comes to uh, not seeing eye to eye, oftentimes, you know, social media is one of those horrible places. I mean, you know, I, I love those social media warriors that get behind a, a, a computer keyboard but wouldn't be able to have a conversation about anything, right? And, you know, one of the, the most horrible things that we do is when we air spiritual dirty laundry, I'll call it, on social media. Hey, you know, I just wanted to say this. Be careful what you type. Be careful how you represent Jesus on social media, all right? Because you know what? Sometimes we misrepresent him to a world that looks at us and thinks, these guys are just a joke. And I really hope that that's not the case for any of us. You know, our text is in Isaiah chapter 55. And uh, as, I, as I thought about our text, and, the, and we're going to read it in a minute, and how the Jewish people might have interpreted uh, this particular passage, um, and I, I'm going to explain it a little bit more. You know, they had just come back from captivity. They had gone through a series of troubles and, and times of tribulation in their lives, slavery, etc. And, um, and God is telling them this. Let's, let's put that up and let's read it together. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As far as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my, thought, my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And then it says, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, but, and so that it yields seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. So here is a, 
uh, a group of people, the Israelites, gone through captivity, gone through issues, troubles, slavery, persecution, hardships, you name it. And then in verse 7, just a verse before this scripture, God reminds them of this, says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon them. And you know what? I started thinking, man, can you imagine for a moment the Israelites, what they must have thought? I would say, okay, God, you know, wait a minute. We have just gone through a series of hard times, persecution, hardship, slavery, you name it. And now you're saying, let the wicked forsake their way. Let them turn to the Lord. I don't want the Babylonians to turn to the Lord. They deserve punishment. They deserve hardships, just like we went through. That was not God's purpose and intention. Now, I'm speculating about the humanity that these Israelites may have uh, perhaps expressed in maybe stating that God was being too lenient with the Babylonians. But you know what? Again, God's intention and purpose and design for us is to become like Jesus. And that means that sometimes we need to put our own preferences aside and go with what God says. So last week, am I ringing or is it me? Is that, am I good? Okay. <clears throat> uh, last week, I shared how when we face trials, right, we see differently than God sees them. And you know what? Uh, I, I know for me personally, sometimes I would rather not face certain situations. But then I remember that Jesus went on the cross. And who did he do that for? For you and for me. So if Jesus endured the cross for us, what is it a momentary trial, as Paul says? It's nothing, right? Now, as the American church, sometimes I think that we have an issue. And the issue that we have for the most part is not agreeing with the biblical divine principles of the word of God. We kind of like dictate our own ways of doing things. We want to do our own things. We think that God should align to our ways of doing rather than us aligning to his ways of doing. You know, Francis Chan said something that, that impacted me on a message that I listened recently, and he said this. He said, one of the most destructive practices of our generation is this, that we value our thoughts way too much. We value our thoughts way too much. Now, if you think about that, that expression, that statement, right, we value our thoughts. What did we just read? Can we put that up again at verse, verse 8 and 9? That what? Wait a minute. What are you saying, God? My thoughts are not your thoughts. And my ways are not your ways. My feelings are not your feelings. My emotions are not your emotions. So what we do is completely contrary to everything that the Bible says and the Word of God teaches. And we actually, we, we actually okay some of those thoughts. We justify people for, have, for thinking the way they do it because, you know what, we have to be nice to everybody. I don't think so. The Bible doesn't say be nice to everybody. Jesus never died on the cross so that we could be all the same and accept everything. No way, guys. 
The Bible is the ultimate truth for all that we say and do. It should be the ultimate truth. Now, we have attempted to elevate our thoughts to the level of God's thoughts, but that's not in our text. We are worlds apart when it comes to thinking the way God thinks and doing things the way God wants us to do them. Not only have we attempted to elevate our thoughts to the level of God's thoughts, but you know what we have done? We have thought and believed that uh, our feelings and our justifications for the way that we feel and the emotions that we, that, we, uh, uh, that, that we experience also drive our actions. And then as we drive into doing certain things and, and acting a certain way, that it's okay. Because God understands. And God knows how I feel. But God will never go against His Word. I'm going to say it again. Maybe on this side. God will never go against His Word. I know it's hard to believe it. But it's the truth. We cannot justify any action contrary to God's principles in the Word of God. Now, Philippians chapter 3 is a chapter that Paul dedicates to teaching, to teaching believers that we ought or should not put our confidence in the flesh or in our feelings. But he says that we should put our confidence and trust in God, in Jesus who accomplished all things for us. You see, friends, our feelings lie. Your feelings lie. Look at the person next to you and tell them, your feelings lie, whether you like it or not. Your, your feelings lie. I'm telling you. I am telling you guys. Your feelings lie. Our thoughts and ways will never be at the same level as God. We just don't see out of eye. So last week we talked about problems. Today I want to talk about God wanting to pour out His Spirit upon all sons and daughters, on all flesh, as he prophesied, as, as um, it was written in the book of Acts, but prophesied from the book of Joel, right? That God will pour out his spirit. And so in the book of Acts, 120 people got together in a room called the upper room. It must have been upstairs somewhere. What a deep revelation. And they got together. And they, I'm telling you right now, as I think about it and I meditated on that scripture, I, I was thinking they could have never scripted what was going to happen. Never in a hundred years. No uh, author of books, no uh, uh, film writer, no one could have ever scripted what was going to happen. You say, what happened? Well, they got together and they started praying. And as they were praying, the Bible says that there was a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind. So you're like praying, and all of a sudden you hear, that's freaky. Okay, let's keep going on. And then all of a sudden they opened their eyes and they thought, okay, this is scary. What's going on? Wait, wait a minute. There is no wind, but there is a wind. Okay. And then all of a sudden they saw tongues of fire resting on people's heads. 
okay, well, wait a minute. Like, what is happening right now? I don't understand it. I can't explain it. But I'm seeing things that look like little fire flames going on people's heads and their hair are not burning up. Okay, this is really weird. And then to top it all up, they started speaking in languages that nobody, I mean, it's like getting a hundred kids talking goo goo gaga in a room full of adults and you're like wondering, what are they saying? It was a supernatural event. Now we can look at that and say, it happened then, it'll never happen again. But you know what? We make a big mistake when we do that. And I'll tell you why. Because we cannot choose what we believe and not believe from the Word of God. I told you before that your thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not God's ways. The way you feel about things is not the way God expresses and makes things happen in our lives. So your feelings lie. And even if you think, oh, well, you know, I grew up in a church and the pastor preached all his life and told me that that's done, it's finished. It ended with the disciples. Well, did miracles end with the disciples? Should that maybe stop you from praying? No, it doesn't. When we're in trouble, we get on our knees and say, oh, Jesus, please touch me. That's okay to do that then. But then we pick and choose our theology and say, well, you know what? This is just, uh, you know, speaking in tongues. I just, I'm not sure I really believe that. You see, God's desire is to feed and transform the spirit man in you and me. The heart is what connects us to his heart, not just the mind. But we are so fascinated with information. We are so taken up with data and and Bible verses and scriptures that we forget that God is about impartation and transformation, not just information. I said this before and I want to say it again, that God will insult the mind in order to transform the heart. He does not want us to be the information center for your mind and my mind to process Bible and chapters and verses. He wants to be the life-giving source for your heart and my heart so that we will all be transformed to be like him. But you know what? When God transforms our hearts, even the mind will follow suit because God wants to transform all of us. He wants to transform all of us, every part of us. Now, when it comes to the way that God desires to move by his spirit, we have to trust that he knows best. And so we pray and we have prayed. How many of you have prayed and wondered, God, where are you? Why are we not seeing the manifestation of the presence of God in our life? Come on, show me by by your hand. How many of you? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's frustrating, guys. I'm frustrated. I want to see God move. But you know what? We have to want to see it, 
not the way that we want to see it, not the way somebody else wants to do it, but we got to see it the way the Bible. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about some reasons why we don't see eye to eye when God wants to move. Are you ready? First of all, we want to be in control. Why is that that we want to be in control? Because we fear the outcome. We fear the outcome. Now, maybe you don't want to look weird. You don't want to look strange. You don't want to ruin your Sunday's best by, you know, sprawling on the floor, crying out to God, snot down the face. You know, <clears throat> I remember uh, years ago, we were in Connecticut at our church. Hank will probably remember this. We went through a, uh, a series of Wednesday night where God, I mean, we, we couldn't get near the pulpit to preach a word. People would just like flood the altars. And everybody, I mean, I, I remember this, this man that uh, I think they, they, they call him, you know, they, they coined him. He had the longest snot of in, ever recorded in history. I mean, the man was just like, the Holy Spirit was just all over him. And he was like a fountain. He was just like so messed up by God. Why is it that we are so concerned with the way that we look, whether good or bad or whatever it is, however you reason that out in your mind? We've got to let ourselves go and trust God that he knows best. We have to forget about people next to us. Well, what are they going to think? What is he going to think? Here I am. I'm crying. I'm like, I need to respond, but how do I do it? I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't. Oh, well, maybe I'll just stay here. No, well, I should go. No, maybe I'll just stay. I mean, we go through like these mental exercises in our minds, trying to justify for ourselves what we should or should not do. But God's spirit doesn't work that way. The opinions of man will never be as important as the opinion that God has in him calling you and me to greater surrender in his presence. Control and fear, friends, are rooted in pride. They're rooted in pride. And pride basically places me as the object of my own self-worship. You know, James chapter 4 and verse 10 says this, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And forget the lifting up stuff. We, we're so focused on the lifting up. No, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, period. Let's be humble. And that means that we think less of ourselves and more of what God wants to do in our lives. Number two, I believe that we don't see eye to eye the way God wants to move because we struggle with surrendering our will to God. You know, God cannot and will not be controlled. I'm going to say it again. God cannot and will not be controlled. Biblical surrender looks something like this. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Look at this verse. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. Ah, what? That's biblical surrender? That's called death. Exactly. That is what biblical surrender looks like. It's putting to death your wishes, your desires, your intentions, your priorities, your wants. I want this. I want that. I want it to look like this. I don't want it to look like that. All your preferences. 
This is not Windows. This is, you know, Apple and God are probably closer friends. If you know, you know. You don't have to set up this operating system. It's already set up for you. It's plug and play. Just trust Him. Just trust Him. Ask yourself, am I still wanting to get my thoughts and my ways? Is my flesh dead enough? You see, the opposite of surrender is what? It's fighting. Do we ever think of that? When we don't surrender, it's because we're fighting God? Think about it for a moment. I give up. I surrender. No, we're not doing that. Okay, God, let's go. Like, are you serious? You're going to lose. You can't go toe-to-toe with God before you even have the thought you're done. If we haven't learned the lesson, let me just take you to some passages in Ezekiel and Isaiah when God talks about the morning star, the angel who was driven out of heaven because he just had a thought. He thought, I will ascend to the throne of God. It doesn't say that he did. He thought about it. And all of a sudden he found himself thrown to the earth with a third of, his, of the angels because... The thought alone was enough to erase it. Can you be honest with yourself today? What excites you in life? Is God what excites you in life? We can't fight God. Our pride wants to get its way. But it's not going to happen. If we really, truly desire to surrender, we stop. We stop and we listen to His voice. We obey the promptings that God gives us. And we act on the Word of God because His Word is true. It's not my feelings. I'm not talking about feelings. I'm not talking about emotions driving us. I'm talking about God's word and the principles. So let me ask you, if God is touching you right now, if God is speaking to you right now, would you be willing to take a risk and come right here at the altar and kneel down and say, God, not my will, but your will be done and do business with God. Would you be willing to that to do that? Because if the answer is not, then I submit to you that you're not dead enough. That there's still parts of us that are screaming and kicking and wanting to stay alive. It's time to, to surrender, church. <clears throat> the third thing that I want to share about not seeing our eyes, that we're not hungry or thirsty enough. We're not hungry or thirsty enough. This is a sad statement, and I'll tell you why it's sad. Because you know what? Sadly, Jesus is not the only love that we have. He's not the only love that we have. And to carry that same kind of illustration, often we cheat on Jesus. Our hunger for the kingdom and our thirst for the kingdom actually takes a back seat because something else comes into place. 
other priorities, other desires, other things that we've given our hearts to. You know, when God is no longer the number one in our lives and we have not noticed the shift, that means that we're not hungry enough. That means that we're not thirsty enough. That means that we're not thinking the way God wants us to think and following his ways the way he wants us to follow his ways. It's a very scary preposition that we will be far from God and not even know it. Come to church and experience church, worship, and all of this stuff. We look at people, hands raised, screaming, crying, and we wonder, what is going on? God, His kingdom, His word, His spirit, worship, community, worshiping together corporately. These ought to be the priorities of our lives right now as we desire, when we say, I desire to see God move, God move, God move. But if we have removed our thoughts and our desires, if we just worship on Sunday morning and never turn on a Christian song during the week, if we never open the Word of God and read the Word during the week, if we never spend a moment talking to Jesus other than the times that we talk to Jesus here, then we have got a problem. The shift has already taken it and you have not realized it and that's a sad condition. God wants us to be awakened. I know this is a harsh word. But it's the truth. And I got to share what God put on my heart. If not, it's just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to take out my frustration on laws. And you don't want that, right, babe? (laughs) We are not hungry enough. We are not thirsty enough and hunger and thirst in the kingdom is satisfied the more you eat the more you drink the hunger you get and the thirstier you get and so you get hungry and you want more you go back to the source you sit at the table i got a message that god gave me about sitting at the table in psalm 23 i'll preach it one of these days But you know what? We sit at the table and we got all these goods spread before us and we have no idea what to do We got the choicest things that God has set aside for us and we have no idea what to do. Here's what Isaiah says, chapter 55, verses 1 and 2. Is anyone thirsty? Are you thirsty? Are you wanting for more of life in general? You know what? If you know friends and people that tell you, man, I just want more from life, bring them here. Let them, you know what? Sometimes you got to take a horse to the trough to, to make him drink. You can't make him drink, but at least you bring him to the water. Come on, somebody. Uh, you know that this is the truth. And so, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Ah, I love this. God doesn't care about what you got. Come take your choice of wine and milk. It's all free. Ah, I love it. It's all free. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? 
Look, you can change the words food for just about anything in life that you think gives you satisfaction, and it really does not. Why do I have to drink too much to have some pleasure in life? Why do I have, what, do I have to overeat to feel comfort? Why do I have to go spend time with all my friends that don't even know Jesus so that we can party it up and forget about all the other stuff? Why is it that I need to go on vacation every three weeks so that I feel good? I mean, you know, I don't know. I can't go on vacation every three weeks, but I'm just saying. There are things that we do that are meant to satisfy the flesh, not the spirit. And I mentioned to you guys before that God's not interested in your feelings, in your flesh. He wants to transform and impart into our spirit the very life of God so that we will eventually be more like Jesus. That is the end goal. Oh, man. Let him come and drink. It's all free and let me finish with one more point we don't like uncomfortable situations you see a move of god will make you uncomfortable i promise you it'll make you uncomfortable you know that snot and all that stuff it's uncomfortable stuff it's uncomfortable to go home and like you cannot sleep I remember when the Spirit of the Lord fell on our church in Italy. I, I, re, I remember it to this day, this, this friend of mine. He got filled with the Holy Spirit. I mean, this is like a new guy that had just accepted Jesus, him and his wife. I mean, he was more interested in all the other stuff that I was telling you about, like, you know, traveling and eating and fun stuff. He was a fun guy. He really was. But when the Holy Spirit got a hold of him, on a Sunday night service, I'll never forget it, we started church at 6 o'clock. At 1 o'clock in the morning, it was him left with me and a few other people. I was just a teenager. I couldn't drive, so I couldn't take him home. We had taken his wife home and kids. And he was, he, he, he is just on the, on the floor on his back, speaking in tongues, wondering what is going on. I'm like, what? this is just amazing. There was no music. There was no worship going on. He's just worshiping the Father. Like worshiping, not caring. He didn't care about who was around him, what was happening around him. We at 1.30 lifted him up and put him in the car and drove him home, knocked at the door, and he stumbled in the house, looked at his wife, and instead of Italian, not English, this is in Italy, instead of the Italian language saying, hi, honey, I'm home, he's, he, just, he could not stop speaking in this unknown language that God had given him. It was like he could not stop. You can't explain to somebody that has just accepted Jesus how to speak in tongues. It's not like repeat after me and then you repeat after him for six hours or seven hours. It doesn't happen. It was an encounter with God. We don't like uncomfortable situations, do we? The work of the Holy Spirit produces freedom when we are surrendered and less concerned 
with conformity and pleasures. When the Holy Spirit moved on the day of Pentecost, look at what happened. 3,000 people accepted Jesus. We need to see salvations today, friends. A move of God is not just so that we can go to the altars and, and just have a great time speaking tongues until 1 o'clock in the morning, praying the Spirit, worship, and all that other stuff. If If it doesn't drive us to share the gospel, the truth of Jesus with other people, we are missing the boat. And if you want revival so that you can get your flesh satisfied with a little bit of fun and goosebumps and whatever you want to call it, then you're missing the boat. Repentance, healing, Body, soul, and spirit restore relationship. Deep hunger for God, His Word, His Spirit, His voice, conviction, forgiveness, humility, deeper hunger, a stronger desire for God. Those are all the manifestations that God wants to see in all of us. We're not just talking about a good time at the altar and then we go home and life resumes. If you just want a blessing to satisfy your flesh, and to say God is moving, but I have no passion for His Word, no passion for His Spirit, no passion to read, to share Jesus with the lost, no passion whatsoever to get in fellowship with Jesus. We are missing the boat. Jesus said in John, in John chapter 4, verse 35, look at the fields. They're white. That means they're ready for the harvest. You know what? People in this world are looking for a reason to find satisfaction. The problem, do you want to know what the problem is in our society today? I have discovered it. I, I mean, I have, I, do you want to know what the problem is? You say, oh, you got, a, you got the problem to fix the world? I do. It's you and me. It's the church. Not just going to church, but being the church. Do you, can you even begin to fathom um, what it would look like if we came hungry and thirsty for God and we would not just think of ourselves but think of those who are yet to come? I believe the word that you shared this morning, Robert, in prayer, they are coming. The harvest is coming. I believe that. God is going to do great things, but you know what? It's not going to happen unless you and I take our responsibility serious and we step out of our comfort zone and we share the gospel of Jesus with those who need it. I want to see a move of God just as much as anybody else wants to see a move of God. And I, I want to tell you this, friends that not only do we need to see a move of God, us right now in this room, but you know what? Our children need to see a move of God. When's the last time, mom, dad, that you prayed? Here's what the Holy Spirit shared, me to, shared with me this morning. When's the last time that we prayed, Holy Spirit, follow my son, follow my daughter. Holy Spirit, Fall on our teens. 
Holy Spirit, fall on our young adults, on our adults, on our older uh, generation, on all of us. Holy Spirit, fall on each and every one of us. That's his desire. I want to ask the band to come on up again. That's God's desire. But we must humble ourselves. And we must say, here we are. Here we are, Jesus. Here we are. Here we are. We got to be less concerned with the time. We got to be less concerned with our preferences and more concerned with receiving what God has for us. Let me just share this with you. How do I get my thoughts in line with God's thoughts and his ways? Here's how you do it. Spend time in his word. Spend time in his word. John 15, 7, 7 says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you want. Ask what you wish and it will be done for you. But also spend time in prayer, hearing, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit because the same chapter in John verse 4 says this, abide in me. When you make habitation in God, that means that you dwell in him, that you build a house in God. I want us to be challenged today as we start this week of fasting and prayer and just wanting to, to seek deeper. I want, us, I want to go deeper in God, don't you? I want to go deeper into everything that he has for me. And so I, I'm going to, as we, we're going to sing a couple of songs and uh, <clears throat> I want us to do something. I want us to stand up and worship together. But you know what? I want you to take a step of faith. Because sometimes you need to get out of your zone. So I want to invite us all to just find a place at the altar here somewhere, in the high house, wherever, wherever you can find a place. And maybe there's somebody next to you that says, you know what? I have a desire. Would you pray for me? Look at someone near you, a brother, a sister in Christ that you trust, and tell them, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? Jo would you agree with me that the Holy Spirit this week will encounter us, all of us, every single last one of us? Children, pray for your children. Anoint them with oil. Lay hands on them all week long. Let's believe that God is going to do some incredible things in our midst, and not just as a wish for 2023. I'm talking about a wish for the rest of our lifetime. A transformation that will last forever, not just a month, not just a week of fasting. Now, I'm not talking about 2023 because somehow 2023 represents something in God's calendar. I'm talking about a transformation in the presence of God and the power of God that will last forever, that will change us, transform us, impartation from God that will make us look different than we do today. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc Click on the Give button and the rest is simple. 
Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.